0: Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. We're going to read from uh, the book of James. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 2. I think I'll go to 8. I'll go to 8. James chapter 2, verse 8. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, then they should ask God, who gives generously to everyone without finding fault and it will be given to them but when they ask they must believe and not doubt because those who doubt are like a wave on the sea blown and tossed by the wind that person should not think that they will receive anything from the lord they're double minded person unstable in all that they do the idea behind this entire discussion that we've been having over these couple of weeks is this it's this question what do you do when there's nothing you can do what 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 do you what do you do when there seems to be uh, s- no way forward you're stuck you can't go back you're trying to go forward but you can't uh, for some of you it 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 might be relational some of you you've been in a period of singleness and you've tried everything and you're thinking lord why just why is nothing happening i'm just not moving forward i seem to be stuck for some of you, it might be in your career. Maybe, maybe that promotion that you didn't get, you know that because you've not had that promotion, there is the end to that pathway in that career that you've been dreaming about your whole life for some of you it's it's professionally maybe maybe you've been working on a business and you've been slogging your guts out and and you've been doing all you can and there's a moment where everything feels like it's getting ripped from underneath you and and and, and you feel like there is no way back and there's no way forward what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? What do you do when it seems there's no way forward and there's no way out? And you you know, isn't it funny that when we find ourselves in these what I call bracketed seasons of life, imagine the big parentheses here like this on the stage. If we were creative, we'd have a parentheses in there. You know, in those big big bracketed moments of life, we're often tempted to think like this, aren't we? That I'll never be happy again. That nothing good can come out of this. That I'll never be happy. Because as we looked at last week, it's in these moments that we can often think that God is either absent, he's not there, he's angry with me, or he's apathetic, he doesn't care. It's really easy to feel that way when you get into these moments. And often in these moments, these meanwhile moments as we've been calling them, it's very easy to be focusing on God, what God is not doing than what God is doing. Have you ever found yourself doing that? Oh, God hasn't answered my prayer. God hasn't given me the thing that I'm wanting. God's not turning up fast enough. So here's the question tonight. What if there's actually work in the waiting? What if if God's delays mean that that he's not angry, absent, or apathetic? But what if something is actually going on during this bracketed season of your life? Now, the first thing I want us to get tonight is this: that waiting on God is not a passive thing; it's actually an active thing. You know, there are all sorts of characters throughout the Bible who, who are constantly doing things in order to to be with God, to get with God. You have like Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and the guy like runs to the southernmost part of Israel so he can somehow get himself face-to-face with God, and he does. He gets a small whisper up on a mountain. He goes to great lengths to go and do that. You see all sorts of people that are doing desperate things to be with God. And the great news for you tonight, if you think that there's nothing that you can do in this meanwhile moment, the promise to you is that you, you can. That, that waiting on God is not a passive thing. You know, like you're going out to rock and people are like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. Come on. It's, and part of the reason we know that to be true is, is the word wait. Or what, the word wait is where we get the word waiter from in English. And so when you think about a waiter, a waiter's passive, I mean, well, it depends on which restaurant you go to, frankly, isn't it? doesn't it? Scrap the analogy. You, you know what I mean. Like if you go to a good restaurant, is a waiter active or passive? No, they're active. Can I help you, sir? Can I help you, ma'am? And waiting is an active duty. It's something that's, that's happening because the waiter is Serving, so waiting on God, the first thing we've got to get is not a passive thing, it's an active thing. And the great promise for you tonight then is that there are things that you can do in the meanwhile. Would you like to know what they are? Okay, all right. You guys are like way more enthusiastic than the morning service. Maybe they're used to waiting. They're like, oh yeah, we know this already. Um, Here's here's where we're going to go today you've got to wait patiently. You've got to wait perspectively. I'll explain what that word means in a second. And you've got to wait obediently, patiently, perspectively, obediently. And this passage in James, ironically, what i are going to do tonight is I'm actually going to parallel two passages. I'm going to have James on the screen. But I'm going to parallel a passage from a guy who talks about the practice uh, of this waiting. James sort of gives us the principles. This other guy, Habakkuk, he was a prophet. He was a guy who spoke to the people from God on his behalf, and, and he was tired of waiting around for God to do things. So he had a complaint with God, and he wanted to get an answer from God. And we see how he plays out the practicalities of what it means to do the work in the waiting. But the first thing that James says here in the passage is that we've got to wait patiently. Cough. Cough. There we go. Sorry. That was, that was so wonderfully stylish, wasn't it? Oh, it was just charming. Uh, preacher's worst nightmare. Uh, Consider it pure joy, brethren, when you face trials of many kind, because the testing of your faith can produce, here it is, patience. Some of you might have perseverance in your Bible. Some versions, like dear brethren, have patience in there. But that's what it means. Uh, first of all, that you wait patiently. Habakkuk in chapter 2 says... For the revelation awaits on a point time. It speaks to the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, here it is, wait for it. It It will certainly come and will not delay. It's God speaking to Habakkuk, Habakkuk, wait for it. Though it linger, it will not delay. In other words, here's Habakkuk, the one who is living out the practice of being in the meanwhile. He's, he's impatient. He's frustrated. He's angry with God. He's upset. He's searching for answers. And God says, I'm going to give you some answers. And though it lingers, wait for it because it will come. Now, what that shows is first and foremost, if you don't know this already, God is never late. God's never late. We we always think God is late (laughs) because he doesn't turn up in our time in our agenda. But God says, though it lingers, though it may feel like you're in the meanwhile, I'm going to turn up. You're going to have the revelation. And this word for wait in the basic Hebrew, this wait basically means, like James is saying, be patient. Patience, we know what patience is. You have patience when you've got to wait for the the 580 express bus to the city. Either comes down Badajoz Road or it doesn't. You wait and you wait, and I think with most of Sydney's buses, we tend to learn the art of patience when we're waiting for them to come down. And, and you're faced with a choice, aren't you? Like it either comes and you wait and you wait, uh, or you go home. And what, what James is saying is that when these trials come, just be patient. The first thing that you can do is just be patient, When everything makes no sense, when you're confused, when you can't make sense of what's going on, when everything feels like it's falling apart, though the answer that you want from God lingers, be patient. um, I love uh, leading and serving with wiser heads in this church for this reason. We've got an amazing bunch of elders and they're, they're they're a few years on me and... And we've got an amazing elder who, um, who, whenever we're talking through these issues, and I'm normally chomping at the bit strategically to, to, to want to move ahead and do this and do that and the next strategy and why, is, why have we done this, why have we done that? And, and she's got this wonderful way of just saying, oh, just wait. God's got it all in control. And she's got this wonderful, beautiful, um, patient spirit about her. She's just, now, part of the reason is she's been at this church since she was, since she was 14 years of age. She's at the Lane Cove Church of Christ. She's, she was here when the church formed. She's been here for 30 years. She's seen ministers come, ministers go, and yet she's been here long enough to see that though it lingers, God is never late. Wouldn't you love to have someone to remind you of that each day of the week? It's okay. God's got it under control. <laughs> so uh, so what can you do in the waiting? Be patient. Some of you are going, oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. Oh, like, what are we paying you this week, mate? Like it's in the Bible. There it is. It just says patience. You're just, you're just saying whatever he says. Yeah, well, that's my job. But um, you're saying, well, I wish I could have patience. What do you mean you wish you could have patience? You're sort of talking about patience as if, I don't know, like, it's like you catch patience like you catch the flu. You know, it, here's the thing, you don't catch patience, you learn patience. If ever there is a key skill, if we call it in the Bible, it's the skill of learning to be patient. James says and shows us biblically that the patience comes from a step-by-step process of deliberate actions. One of them, first and foremost, is humility. In chapter 4 he says, now listen, one of my favourite passages of the Bible He says, today or tomorrow, don't say that you'll go to this city or that city or we'll do this or do that. He says, if it's the Lord's will, say, you guys know the passage? If it's the Lord's will, then say that we will go there. He says, for what is your life? It's merely a mist here today and gone tomorrow. Now, what's he getting at? What does he mean by that? Um, Practically speaking, whenever things go wrong, whenever we are in despair, whenever we are getting overly anxious, uh, whenever we are getting frustrated, whenever we are getting angry with God, sometimes those emotions are the overflow of this theological concept that I'm going to give you now. You ready for it? It's called assumed omniscience. In layman's terms, it's basically when you think that you know everything. (laughs) And whenever we have these feelings of frustrations, it, it, it often comes, and haven't we all been there, where we're angry and we're frustrated with God? Why? Because, Lord, my agenda says that I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and we're up to X, but I haven't seen Y or Z yet. What's going on? And James says, don't say go to this city or that city. What James is saying is be real with yourself. You don't know how to run the world. You don't know. Now, I know that it's difficult in these moments when you're feeling that way. And some of you are saying, come on, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm putting up with. And Yet people like Paul in the Bible, he does. When he says, we rejoice in our trials and tribulations, knowing that they produce patience and then patience produces character and character hope and that hope will not disappoint us for it brings the love of God shed in our hearts so we 're getting a sense that something's happening here that there could be work in the waiting, <laughs> but the first thing you do is you 've got to be patient. It reminds me of a of a war movie I saw a, few, a while back. Some of you movie buffs might know what it is i can 't remember which one it was just there was a scene where the where the, there was a badly injured soldier and he had to uh, he had to get operated on, and he comes in and the the surgeon has to uh, operate but can only give him a, a local anesthetic and so one of those gory Saving Private Ryan type movies, Hacksaw Ridge. You know the picture, anyway. And and anyway, he says, you know, you, you've got to be, you've got to be still on the table because you must not move, no matter what happens. Because if you move, it'll be as if I, I've never done the surgery in the first place. And so here's here's the point: when you come into these trials, of course, some of these trials are going to hurt like nothing you've ever experienced before. And yet the master surgeon says, don't move. Stay still, because if you don't, you've got a choice. You have a choice when you face these trials. When these trials come in and hit you in these meanwhile moments, you're going to have a choice to either flail around, which is going to turn you into a bitter person, or you can hold firm and be patient, which is going to make you into a person that's better. that makes sense? So just be patient. Be patient. Oh, man, I'm preaching to myself in this. <laughs> So you first of all you can wait patiently secondly you can wait perspectively here's what i mean by that <laughs> consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds consider it pure joy this is what I call a punch you in the face Bible verse. Okay? Not because it's one of those deep ones that give you great revelation that feels like a punch in the face. No, it's more that whenever you are in trials or your meanwhile moment and someone in the church says that to you when you're in the midst of that, you feel like wanting to punch them in the face. <laughs> you know how it goes with Christians? Like you're going through a terrible, gut wrenching, life changing experience and someone pops up at home group and said, I've got a word for you in love. Consider it pure joy. <laughs> Some of you go, oh, I can't believe the pastor just said he'll punch people in the face. No, look, um, sin is thought plus inclination. So I'm allowed to think it, I would be never inclined to do it. So it's not a sin. <laughs> but we've thought it, haven't we? Consider it pure joy. So to punch you in the face first now, let's go back to Habakkuk and keep this sensible. Um, Habakkuk in, the, in, in verse 1 of uh, of what he's saying in chapter 2, Habakkuk says, I will station myself on the ramparts. You see, Habakkuk's waiting for God. I hope you've got your finger in Habakkuk. Look it up in the contents. You can see where I'm at here. He's waiting for God. He's in a meanwhile moment too. He's waiting to hear from God, and he says, "I will station myself on the ramparts." Now, I don't know why, you, why the NIV translates that word "ramparts," but better translated, "I will station myself in the tower." Now, quiz class, um, why did old cities have towers? So you can see what see what you can see what's coming. So if you're terrified, someone knocks all the enemies at the gate, you can run up and go to the tower and you're terrified and you look out and go, oh oh my goodness, oh no, there's 20 of them and we've got 200 back here. It's fine. It's cool. (laughs) So see what's happening in that moment. Uh, Habakkuk's saying, I'm doing all that I can to get perspective on the situation. Or I can to do this perspectively. Now, what does this mean spiritually? What does it mean spiritually saying, I'll go to the ramparts? Here's what it means. It, it it means to do all that you can to get yourself into a position where you think to yourself, could it be that what is in my life, we learned this last week, in the first instance, the great mystery of Christianity, first of all, could it be that God is bringing this into my life and this is not just the devil and some spiritual warfare thing but first of all what if God is bringing this into my life but most importantly what if this is being brought into my life to make me a person and to prove to myself that I can be better not breakable James says consider it I don't know how I'd quite pronounce it but the Greek word is logizomai You want to have a guess what the English word for that is? Or or what, what English word we derive from that Greek word? Logic. So in other words, James is saying, add it up, think about it, calculate it, do the math, think on this. Now, consider it. Paul says it in Romans 8. He says, For I reckon, same word, for I logizomai, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul is doing the math. Paul's saying, I've been shipwrecked and I'm beaten, but I'm looking at this. And I'm doing the math and I'm getting up to the tower and I'm getting some perspective of God's almighty glory. And from that sort of perspective, I can handle that. See how it works? Do the math. Consider it. Think about it. He's meditating on it until it begins to melt his heart. And what James is saying to us is, "Look, guys, and here's the secret. You start thinking on so much that you start asking yourself." He says, "Please consider. Could there be work in the waiting? How how is God at work in this situation? That He's actually could it be that He's growing me and shaping me in this? I'll tell you. I'll show you how it works." I, I call them biosphere humans. But uh, what, what I mean, I'm sure I've shared this with a few of you, but you know that they built a, uh, a, giant, a giant dome in the desert of Arizona to grow trees so they could try and work out if they could grow trees on Mars. And so um, after about 20 years of growing these trees in this rainforest in the middle of this dome in the Arizona desert, they found this really weird dynamic with some of the big pine trees in there. And after 20 years, the, the boughs of the pine trees just started falling off the trees. For no reason at all. They would, just, they would just fall off. And they couldn't explain it until they actually um, cut through the trunks and looked at it all microscopically. And they discovered that the, exactly the same species of trees that had lived inside the dome were vastly different in a specific area from the trees out, outside of the dome. And the ones on the inside at the micro level were missing a very, very vital thing. And they dubbed it stress wood. And so they realized that having lived in a dome where it's perfectly protected and no wind for all of those years, that those trees had never developed stress wood. And so when they grew up to be big, the boughs were so heavy that they couldn't hold their own weight and they just fell off. So you had these biosphere trees. And what they realized is the only place and the only way that these trees could develop strong boughs and stress wood was in the presence of wind. Ever met a biosphere human? <laughs> yeah, you know them. Their arms just fall off. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Have if you, if you ever met a biosphere human? Someone who's lived in that bubble their whole life. Someone who hasn't suffered. Someone who hasn't been through the meanwhile moment, someone, you know, What do you think about them? What do you remember about them? For me, it's like there's not a weightiness to them. There's not a glory to them. There's not a steadiness. There's even, not even an attractiveness about them. So James says, consider it. Consider it if you are seeing nothing else in your bracketed meanwhile moment that maybe, just maybe, God is producing stress wood. So you can do this patiently. You can do this perspectively. And if you're in the meanwhile moments, here's the third thing you can do. You can do it obediently. This, this image comes from uh, what Habakkuk was also uh, saying and we see it in James as well. James says, let perseverance finish its work. Let the perseverance, let the stress wood process finish its work so that you be, may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and station myself on the ramparts. He says, I will stand my watch. Now, if, if you're not in the military, here's the illustration. He's, he's saying, I'm on picket duty. Uh, I've done picket duty when I was doing military cadets up in Singleton, and there is nothing fun about picket duty. I was out there at like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. There's nothing out there except stars and possums. And all you do is you just, you just sit there. And every every cadet knows you you never wander from your picket duty. And Habakkuk says here, "I, I stand, I stand my watch. It's his way of saying, even though he's struggling with God, even though he's wrestling with Him, even though he's got big questions, even though he's frustrated at life, even though the bottom end of things has fallen out, he's saying, I will not leave my post. And what it means for you is really simple. There will be moments, if you're not in them, when you're weary. And you feel like, this is it. This is the last straw. Or you feel, I don't care what Sam says. God has, God is angry, apathetic, <laughs> or absent. But I'm saying to you tonight, you cannot leave your post, Christian. You cannot leave your post. And I, I show you what it means practically. And I see this all the time as a pastor, unfortunately, but it's just, it's so common. You know, what happens when we start feeling frustrated and disappointed and, and a bit over these, where God is in these meanwhile moments, here's, here's what happens. We get spiritually passive aggressive. Have you seen this in people at church? We get spiritually passive aggressive and it sort of goes like this. Well, you know, if God hasn't answered my prayer about my career, then you know what? I'm not going to church. Or, or God hasn't delivered the relationship that I'm praying for, so you know what, I'm not going to small group tonight. Or God hasn't, God hasn't turned, uh, turned up for me in my family situation, so you know what, I'm not doing the prayer month thing. I'm not downloading the app. We see this, don't we? The friends, they, they, they withdraw, they, they pull back, they get spiritually passive-aggressive. Can, can you imagine the court? Can you imagine the court-martial for the Christian who's supposed to be standing his post? You're there before you get court-martialed. Why'd you leave your post, soldier? Oh, well, you know, I just, I wasn't getting much out of it. I wasn't getting much out of worship. Preaching was... You don't leave your post! You don't leave your post. And maybe for some of you tonight, that is the only thing that you can do is just to stand But we do, we wonder, why? I think half the time it's because we're filled with self-pity. Which, by the way, um, self-pity is the hangover you get from too much assumed omniscience. (laughs) That's what happens, that's what self-pity is. So we leave, we stop doing it. You know, John Newton, one of the great Christian hymn writers, um, told the stories. how Someone came up to him and said, you know what, I'm not getting anything out of prayer. And he said, you know what? You're definitely not going to get anything out of not praying. (laughs) Don't leave your posts. Don't leave your posts. Just stand firm. And here's my point. Listen to this. Look, the great tension in your life at the moment, particularly if you are in a bracketed meanwhile moment, that tension, that thing that you wish you could just get rid of, that thing that is crushing you, that thing that is causing the anxiety and the frustration, that thing you wouldn't wish on anything else, you know that thing has the opportunity to be the focal point of god's activity in your life don't focus on what God is not doing, focus on what God is doing, even if it is in that and some of you are thinking. What would you know? You in the midst of all of this? I'm not. I'm not in your situation. But you know, coming here in the car this morning, God gave me the, gave me this. You know, you know this is. I realized this verse. This verse was the first sermon that I ever preached at Northside. Um, my first one. I think I was like twenty three, twenty four. It's my like first test that Graham Agnew let me get up and and do that. And and I preached James chapter. James chapter 1 verse 2, consider a pure joy his brothers and sisters. You know, as a peppy 23 year old. you know. And what was really interesting, the big idea of that message as I looked back on all of my notes is that the thing I distinctly remember saying is I said, um, I'm going to preach this and some of you are going to want to go home and because of this passage you're going to face trials like this and some of you are not going to want to get up tomorrow. And I had no idea that the person I was preaching to in that moment was me because I went home that night and it was like felt like no sooner had... um, I put my sermon down on the coffee table at home that I got a call that um, a dear family member that I love dearly was in the emergency room of Royal North Shore and we didn't know if they were going to make it through the night. So it's so weird to come back to this and go... I don't know how how do you, how do you preach that to someone that's going through all of this, and how how do I get? through to you that these words on the page, even though they're exactly the same words and stuff stated here in my Bible from 2012 and I've been over this time and time again and yet of course you can take James's word for it but in a small way you can take my word for it that in those 14-something years I can absolutely attest to the fact that there is work in the waiting. So... The thing for you tonight, when you are surprised by adversity, heaven forbid that any of you walk home and put your bags down and get home and you are faced with a trial like this tomorrow. I pray that it was just me that had it in that night. But if you do happen to be blindsided, if life hits you, if it smacks you, if you're in the middle of a meanwhile moment, at the moment, if the bottom drops out of life, what James is asking you to asking you tonight through all of this. Is that would you consider that God could actually be working through this situation to make you a person who can either be bitter or better? And which way you go in that is, well, that's your choice tonight. But there's work in the waiting. Is there work in the waiting? Yeah, there's work in the waiting. There's work in the waiting. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.